as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Well, good morning. Uh, for those who are visiting with us this morning, my name is Nick. Um, it's my uh, privilege to be the pastor here at Yass Community Baptist Church, and um, it's a privilege to have you with us uh, this uh, Resurrection Sunday. Um, and so uh, it's a great joy to celebrate together that Jesus is risen. Um, so I'm going to pray and then we're going to uh, jump into God's Word and explore what it is that the resurrection uh, means for us. Mm. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great day that we uh, celebrate, as we celebrate every day, uh, but this, this day where we especially remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I pray that as we explore your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be amongst us, that you would uh, reinvigorate our faith, give birth to life within us as we reflect on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so over the last few weeks, as we've been journeying towards Easter as a church, we've been thinking about the cross and the resurrection and, and thinking about this being the heart of the gospel message, the heart of the good news of the Christian faith. And so the crucifixion of Jesus, his death on the cross, his death for the sake of others, is, is at the very center of what we uh, believe as followers of Jesus, that this is this crucial moment. It's in fact where we get the word crucial. The word crucial comes from crucifix. It's, it's a crucial moment in history. It's Jesus' death on the cross for our sake through which we are justified, that we are set free, cleansed from our sins. It's through the death of Jesus on the cross that we reflected on on Friday a couple days ago here that Jesus gives us the greatest revelation of God's love, the revelation of what love actually is. And no credible historian claims that Jesus Christ didn't exist. And no credible historian would claim that a man named Jesus wasn't crucified about 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. But Jesus was not the first person to be crucified. In fact, uh, the Gospels tell us that he wasn't even the only person being crucified at the time of his own crucifixion. Jesus was not the first prophetic figure to lose his life at the hands of the religious establishment. Jesus was not the first to claim to be the Messiah. 
Jesus was not the first miracle worker even. Though it must be said that uh, by volume of miracles, he, he transcends everybody else. But Jesus was not the first miracle worker. So what marks Jesus as different? What turns this man, this Jesus' death into something that has transformed history for 2,000 years, that has turned the world on its head, that has us talking about it and gathering around his name 2,000 years later? What is this claim? It's the most extraordinary claim of the Christian faith, that Jesus wasn't just crucified, did not just die, was not just buried, but that he rose from the grave. This is the most extraordinary, the most challenging, perhaps on, in believability terms, thing about the Christian faith. The Gospels record that three days after his crucifixion, Jesus rose and appeared to many people. And so there's many people who are happy to believe that Jesus existed and, and, and you have to reject the historical evidence to suggest that he didn't. There's many people who are happy to believe that he was crucified and, and many people happy to believe that in fact he was even a good teacher and he was a great man and that his death was noble and, and, and maybe achieved something significant for the world. But, but many will stumble at this thing, this belief that Jesus didn't just die but that he rose from the grave. Many people want Jesus as a, a good man, a great man even, but struggle to believe in this extraordinary claim of the Christian faith. But this extraordinary claim is pivotal to the Christian faith. If we read what the Apostle Paul says to his uh, disciple and son in the faith, Timothy, as he's, as he's teaching him, as he's writing letters to him about how to lead the church in Ephesus, he says in 2 Tim Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. The descendant from David part means that he's the Messiah, he's the, the king, the anointed one to come after David. But, but he essentially says that Jesus is the Messiah and he rose from the dead and that is the gospel. The gospel equals Jesus is the Messiah and he was raised from the dead. Now, of course, to be raised from the dead, he has to have died already. It's not rejecting the cross as significant. But the cross loses its meaning if we don't have the resurrection. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead. The Messiah, this is my gospel, says Paul. Because without the res resurrection, our faith is futile. Without the resurrection, the gospel is empty and elsewhere in 1 Corinthians in his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul says in verses 14 and 17, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, I'm wasting my time and so are you. And if Christ has not been raised, he says in verse 17, your faith is futile and you are still dead in your sins. So we can't have the power of the cross, we can't have salvation through the cross if not for the resurrection. But the good news is that we can confidently believe 
we can confidently trust that the resurrection of Jesus happened. Paul goes on to say in verse 20, he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. But we don't just have to take Paul's word for it. The evidence, the historical evidence for the reality of the resurrection is overwhelming. The only reason to doubt such an event with so much historical evidence to support it is because we struggle to believe, or many struggle to believe that such an event could take place. That someone who was once dead lived again. The only reason to reject the resurrection is because we perhaps reject the idea of resurrection to start off with. There are many eyewitness accounts of seeing Jesus raised from the dead. There's many recorded in the Bible, but, but there's also reference to this outside of the Bible. And so this is not just the story of a crazy few. Paul in Corinthians says that he appeared to a group of women, he appeared to the disciples, and then he says he appeared to over 500 people at one time. This is not the crazy story of a crazy few. And the Gospels tell us, in fact, that the first to encounter Jesus' tomb empty and the first to encounter Jesus risen from the dead were, were women. And this is in a culture and a society that was uh, far more patriarchal than our own. It was believed that the testimony of women could not be believed. And so the only reason to, to make up a story where women were the first to find Jesus risen from the dead was that it wasn't actually made up. That's what happened. In first century Jerusalem, if you wanted to make up a story and have people believe it, you would not have women be the first at the empty tomb. You would not have women be the first to encounter the risen Jesus. And that's not because we, we know that women are not uh, bad witnesses. I'm not saying anything about women this morning. But in the belief system at the time, you would not make up a story that depended upon the testimony of women. The only reason that that could possibly be in the gospel accounts is because that's actually what happened. The other part of evidence that's key is that the tomb was empty. The claim that Jesus had risen from the dead arose in Jerusalem, days after he was crucified and buried. Crucified and buried by a political establishment and a religious establishment that was trying to snuff out the movement that had arisen around Jesus. In the days 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, in the days that went on after the death and burial of Jesus and people began to claim that this man had risen from the dead, those that wanted to snuff out this movement, all they would have had to have done in that moment is to present a body or to present at least evidence that someone had whisked him away. Guards had been posted to ensure that that didn't take place. And so if Jesus had not been raised, then, then this would have been snuffed out in the first week that people began to claim that. We also have to contend with, if we don't want to believe in the resurrection, the fact that 
almost all of those who were first to see and believe that Jesus had risen from the dead were executed for their refusal to deny that belief. Not just in the excitement of that initial moment, but over the decades to come, these men, the 11 remaining disciples and many others and many women were all tortured and executed because they would not deny that Jesus had risen from the dead. This was a group of people that at the first sign of danger, at the first sign that Jesus was about to be resurrected, they ran for the hills. These were not a group of people that were naturally courageous and would get together and go, what the heck, let's just make up this crazy idea and die for it. This was a group of people who ran scared, but once they had encountered Jesus risen from the grave, they refused to deny that truth, no matter what people did to them. There's a... a, a a man, I don't know if he's living or not, I had to look up who he is, but I, I see it come up on my Facebook feed every, every year. There's a man named John Colson who was a lawyer for uh, President Nixon in the United States. Um, and President Nixon's the uh, president, if we don't know any US history, he, he wasn't impeached because he ran away and retired, uh, resigned before he could be impeached. But he orchestrated this um, kind of criminal incident and, the, and this lawyer was one of the key people who were part of it and he, and he uh, was introduced to Jesus in uh, prison and became a Christian and he says that he knows the resurrection of Jesus took place and Watergate, that, that criminal incident, is what proves it to him. He says the resurrection, you've, you've got 12 disciples and, and many others who, who over the, the next four decades are crucified, refused to give up the secret that they made it all up, if that's what we believe took place, and all went to their grave refusing to give up that, that belief that Jesus rose from the dead. He said he was a part of Watergate, and you had 12 of the most powerful people in the world at the time, and they couldn't keep a secret for a week. And so where to believe that the resurrection didn't take place, where to believe that a group of fishermen and tax collectors, not, not the, the peak of, of society at the time, a group of, of those that everyone else would have overlooked, that Jesus plucked from obscurity and called them to follow him, where, where to believe that they held on to a lie for 40 years. And no one would give up the secret that it was a lie and went to the grave, tortured and abused. And yet still, none of them came out and said, you know, we made it all up. And so John Colson, who went through this thing of everybody was supposed to keep their mouth shut, but they couldn't keep it shut for a week, says that cannot happen. It's absurd to believe the resurrection didn't take place. The other piece of evidence, and we could go on and on, but the only other thing I'm going to mention this morning is we can't account for the explosion of the Christian faith in the Roman Empire by any other means. 
there's been plenty of crazy stories that people have come up with that generate a bit of a following. But before long, they fizzle out or are snuffed out. But Christianity, this, this movement that the, the religious and political establishment had sought to crush in killing Jesus and sought to continue to snuff out and crush following his death and resurrection, began to explode and continue to grow in an empire and a religious establishment that was doing its absolute best to snuff it out. And remember, this movement started from a small group of of men and women who ran away, except for the women. The women stayed. The women didn't run. They were at the cross. But they ran away at the first sign of danger. We can't account for this shift in these people's lives and the explosion of the, the Christian faith and movement unless something happened. Something like a crucified man who claimed to be the Son of God, raising back to life. And so we can confidently trust that the resurrection took place, as Paul says. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Without it, our faith is futile. Without it, my preaching is a waste of time, but Christ has indeed been raised. But, but why is it so significant? Why is the resurrection so fundamental to our faith? What does it mean for you and I that Jesus is raised from the dead? Surely that's great for Him, but what does that mean for us? Well, the reality is that like Jesus was dead and buried, we too were dead and buried. Like Jesus was in a grave without hope of of life to come, we were in a grave without hope of life to come. As Di read for us this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, as for you, that's you and I, that's all of us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's Paul's way of speaking of Satan, our spiritual adversary. And so Paul is saying, This is what you were. You were dead. As alive as you look, As animated as you may be as you walk around, the truth is that you were dead. And not just dead, you are ensnared, enslaved to, as Paul says, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's Satan. We were not just dead, but we were under the power of a spiritual adversity. A spiritual adversary that Paul says who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He goes on to say in verse 3, all of us lived among them at one time, all of us, you, me, everybody in all of history has lived among that reality in which we're all dead. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. 
like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And so we were dead and buried. We were under the power of a spiritual adversary and we were deserving of God's wrath. That is what we were. That is what you were. You were dead. As alive as you may feel, apart from the resurrection of Jesus, you were dead. You were buried. Our illness was terminal. There was no cure, there was no treatment, there was no hope of being healed. Like a a patient with a significant illness that goes to see the doctor and may have tried treatment, may have tried to be made well and heal themselves, uh, like that last visit to the doctor and the doctor says, there's nothing left we can do. Go and make yourself as comfortable as you can. As tragic as that situation is in our, in our bodily life and death, that is our state, that is how we are, that is our existence. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus, our illness was and is terminal. But, some of the most beautiful things in the scripture come after the word but. Paul goes on in Ephesians 2 to say, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. See, the Apostle Paul tells us that God as he raised Jesus Christ from the grave, as his body left the tomb. That wasn't just about Jesus. That wasn't just the resurrection of one man, but that was the resurrection of you and me. See, Scripture talks about it as we read that verse from Corinthians as the first fruits of the resurrection and and we do hope uh, for a future in which we are bodily raised from the dead and we can be confident of that hope because of the promise of Jesus' resurrection that one day we may die if Jesus hasn't returned yet but we can be confident that, that the day will come when we rise again as Jesus raised from the tomb. The Scripture talks about it as this future hope. But it also talks about it as a reality for you and I here and now that occurred, that has taken place 2,000 years ago-ish. That we don't just have this future hope of our bodily resurrection, but that God who raised Jesus from the dead raised us up with him. That right here, right now, you have been raised from the dead through faith in Jesus Christ. You are a resurrected person. And you've not just been raised. Jesus wasn't just raised or resuscitated 
kind of back to normal. He was raised, which spoken about in the scriptures, he had a resurrection body. You know, we, we see the apostles touching his body and touching his wounds. We, we see him eating fish, but we also see him walking through walls. We, we, we see something different about him. He doesn't die again. I remember that being one of the questions. We had a question and answer time in Scripture um, towards the end of last year. And one of the questions the kid had was, well, when did Jesus die again? Perfectly reasonable question. It made me think, you know, I've grown up in a, in a church and now a pastor, I've never even thought of that. But Jesus didn't die again. Jesus wasn't the first to return to life from the grave, but, but Lazarus died again. Those that Elijah and Elijah raised, they died again. But Jesus did not die again. He had a resurrected life. He simply ascended into heaven. And so we have a resurrected life now. And, and as Paul says, you've not just been raised. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus. So there's this sense in which we're waiting for our bodies to catch up in fullness, but, but your reality, if you have faith in Jesus, is right now you are seated in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. The tangible reality, the things you can touch and feel and see is not your primary reality. We should no longer see things from an earthly perspective. We should see from a heavenly perspective. We should no longer have a faith that looks from, from earth up into heaven, but looks from heaven down on our current circumstances because we are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly realms because of the resurrection. Yes, we're waiting for our bodies to experience that reality. But what Jesus promises as he teaches is that those who have faith in him will never taste death. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Our bodies will physically die. But because we live a resurrected life here and now, we won't taste it like we would have tasted it before. It won't sting like it would have stung before. There's an American theologian who passed away from cancer a while ago and he was uh, reflecting as he came towards his last days, I wonder if when I die it'll take me a while to realise it. Because he held to this belief that, well, right now I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly realms. That's my present existence. Though my physical reality, the things I can see and taste and, and touch are the things of, her, of earth, Jesus says, the, the, the Bible says that I am now seated in heavenly realms with Jesus. Jesus says, though I will die, I will not taste the sting of death. So he just reflected and none of us know. He just reflected, I wonder whether it will take me a while to realise. 
And it just makes me think, I wish I lived a life. And I want to cultivate that sense in my own life where I live a life where I'm so aware of this. I'm so aware of who is present with me and who I'm present with that when I step into the completely unveiled manifest glory of God that, that the shift, while radical, in some sense isn't so much radical because I'm living as much as possible in the fullness of that now. So the resurrection of Jesus is not just his own. Just as Jesus was dead and buried, the scriptures remind us that you and I were dead and buried. But just as Jesus was raised from the grave, the scriptures teach us that not just Jesus was raised from the grave, and not just that we have this future hope of being raised, but we live in the truth of the resurrection here and now. Not as future hope alone, but as present reality. So as our worship team are just going to begin to play for a moment. I'm just going to take a moment to declare over our our own heart, our own lives, just this verse from the Apostle Paul. Remember Jesus Christ. And so as David does in the Psalms where where he says, Soul, I will tell my soul to praise God. And so we can picture him saying, Soul, praise God. As the the worship team play, I just encourage you in, in your hearts, in your mind to say, Remember, tell yourself, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead descended from David or you can insert in there if you want to translate that into our understanding the Messiah this is my gospel So the Apostle Paul had spent time with Timothy. He taught him. He, he taught him all of this about what the resurrection means. And then, in writing this letter, he's boiling it down to one simple truth to remember: remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, the Messiah. This is my gospel. And so, Heavenly Father, we. We celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, this morning. We celebrate that great act of power that transformed what appeared to be the defeat of the cross into the great victory of the resurrection. We remember Jesus Christ, the Messiah, raised from the dead. 
we remember. I pray that you implant this truth into our hearts. That not just today on Easter Sunday, but every single waking and sleeping moment that we live in remembrance, in awareness of the reality that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and therefore I am raised up with him. And so we remember this morning that we were dead and buried. We remember that we were under the oppression of a spiritual adversary. We remember that we were deserving of your wrath. But we remember that because of your great love, you have raised us up with Christ. And so as we, remember, as we remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead this morning, Father, we remember that we are raised up and seated in heavenly realms with him. Just take a moment to declare over your own life. Remember. So we remember Jesus Christ, the Messiah, raised from the dead. This is our gospel. Amen. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love you to become a part of the Aspectus family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.